0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. With me this week, two special guests, Andrew Macardo, who's always here, a regular Media Week contributor. Welcome back, Andrew, and a semi regular contributor, David Knox. Welcome back, David. Thanks, James. Hi, Andrew. Hello. David Knox, of course, from Australia's biggest TV website, Blog TV Tonight. Look, what we I wanted to talk to you both about, um, particular this week, was a couple of things. First of all, perhaps the nine upfront, and then we'd have a quick troll through the Emmys, talk about some of the winners, and then before we sign off, we'll get a couple of viewing tips from both of you. But let's start with the nine upfront. They've certainly gone early this year. Had their upfront in September, probably as much as four weeks um, before. I think ten will be next, and then seven will be the last of the free to air commercial broadcasters, spec something from perhaps SBS and maybe a press release from the ABC in November. But, um, David, overall impressions of the uh, nine up front? Um, Reality, reality, reality.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, I mean, I'd gotten the word, James, that there was going to be a handful of new things Mm -hmm. because... You know, it's great for any network to be sitting in a position where the majority of their upfronts is renew, 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 which Nine has managed to do a couple of years running now. That's because most of their 7.30 shows are working. So, you know, good luck to them, good on them, that that shows like Married at First Sight, Lego Masters, The Block, um, uh, what am I leaving out? Um, Obviously, The Voice is not in the mix for next year. Um, So, yeah, so um, we, we had a few new or a few returning titles like Beauty and the Geek is back. Who knew? And it's moved from seven to nine now.
0: Yeah, Andrew, it was surprising really how many new programs they've managed to fit into their schedule. I mean, we're going to be seeing Celebrity Apprentice Australia, Beauty and the Geek, I think. Parent Jury, uh, Beach House Escape, Celebrity IOU Australia, that's sort of five new shows. Maybe they won't all be 7.30, but they're all sort of reality formats that we'll see at
2: least maybe once, two or three times a week. I feel like The Parent Jury was on some list before, or am I confusing that with a Channel
1: 7 similar show? No, it it was on the announcement last year and it was due to come this year. And, look, I think... Just to jump in here, I think we extend every network a little bit of um, room to breathe given the COVID, you know, has impacted on production shutdowns. So yes, Andrew, you're correct.
2: Yeah. Um, The the moving of uh, Beauty and the Geek from seven to nine to me was just like, Oh my God, It did. It, it, I, I just got that sense of deja vu now that there's only a limited number of reality formats that are just continually sort of shifting around all of the networks. That part of it, I was really unimpressed by.
0: Yeah. The, the moving of Beauty and the Geek, I guess, I think it's um, it's Endemol Shine who pitched that to nine and um, were successful and nine is talking about that hopefully they're going to do a sort of married at first sight makeover, turn it into a, you know, what was a, let's be fair, a, a moderately successful maybe at seven. Very moderately, um, Yeah. <laughs> But oh, well,
1: but, but to be fair, to be fair to Seven, and, you know, they, they got a, a, quite a few, se- I would say, half a dozen seasons out of that, right? Um, and those makeover episodes, they went through the roof. Mm. So they were not moderate. They, they rated extremely well. We know that television audiences love makeovers, whether it's people or houses or, or whatever it is. I was surprised to see this. Uh, you know, I, I sort of look at Beauty and the Get coming back and, and ask myself, why now? why in 2021 is this a show? So I'll be looking to see what justifies in terms of the story content, what actually justifies the show coming back and Endemol, Shine, Slash, Shine, Slash, even Fremantle, when the, the fantasies, and I guess we'll probably talk to them uh, about that a little bit later, James, but they have been expert at making over shows, pardon the pun, um, and, and, you know, Biggest Loser and, and Masterchef being two key examples of shows that were never stripped and that were stripped in this market and then in case of Masterchef, repeated around the world.
2: So yeah. you think that they're going to uh, try and look at turning Beauty and the Geek into two or three episodes a week like Married at First Sight? Definitely, yeah. Oh. I, think, I think they've said that, didn't they? Amy said
0: that to you in an interview, right, James? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to be doing that. Um, I think it'll be three nights a week. It might be only, might be three weeks, maybe four maximum. Wow. You've got to think they'll play up that maybe the the dating aspect of all that, what happens when they put the the couple together and follow that through maybe a little bit more than they did in the original. Not that I can remember that much of the
2: original, to be honest. To say nothing of the... Dinner parties. <laughs> but, you know, I look to a show like um, Love on the Spectrum,
1: which has shown, you know, new ways of doing dating shows, new reasons why other dating shows should exist. So yeah. I'm looking very closely, um, James, at, at, you know, Beauty and the Geek. If it's just, you know, more straight white people from middle Australia, and you know, hopefully bringing it back, they've recognised that it's got
2: to move on from that.
0: And yeah, interestingly. Well, how many shows haven't moved on from that one.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Love on the Spectrum, which is an ABC production. It's now on Netflix and you've now got people saying to me, oh, I saw this great show and it's like, yeah, that was on the ABC <laughs> like last year. Now, everyone who watches a show on Netflix thinks that they're watching an original.
0: Uh, with Celebrity Apprentice, we're already seeing a bit of negative uh, commentary around... Uh, the arrival of Lord Alan Sugar in Australia. I mean, how does he manage to get into the country when there's, you know, I don't know, the, the numbers vary, but let's say lots of people wanting to get into Australia who are Australians. Um, yeah. And we're hearing about there's no special, you know, nobody's getting any special treatment, but clearly, clearly they are, whether you're Tom Hanks or whether you're Lord Alan Sugar. There are ways to get into the country that some people can't seem to manage. Look, I don't think that negativity is going to impact on the program at all because so I think that no. people who will watch this aren't really going to care too much about, you know, what's been said six months earlier.
2: But it seems bizarre to me because you and the three of us know who Lord Sugar is because he hosts the UK version of The Celebrity Apprentice, but that's never been seen here in Australia. And I believe you go up to any person in the street in Australia and they'd say, I don't know who he is. It actually has been seen in Australia, but we're going
1: back quite a way. It was on Channel 7. Right. The the British version of Celebrity Apprentice for, I'm inclined to say, Andrew, maybe one or two seasons. Okay. Um, Look, I'm really torn about um, Alan Sugar in in this role. I think he's a great coup for Nine to get because he does this so well and he's done it for so long in the UK. He really knows what's expected. He's great at being the grumpy. pompous, can I say, um, um, boss who's going to be very strict on the people that are participating. But, again, I do sort of come back to, well, couldn't we have reinvented it? Couldn't we have had a woman in the role? Or, um, couldn't you know, so, so, so it's, again, a case of the network sticking to an, another format that relies on celebrities, I mean, Almost every reality show has a celebrity version at one stage or another. I actually enjoyed the first, I don't know whether you remember the first Australian Celebrity Apprentice was not a was not a celebrity version. So the first sorry the first Apprentice Australia yeah not a celebrity version and it did quite well for for nine and i remember going and meeting some of the people that were involved in that and they were they were very tough cookies and and um some of them you know because they were so you know because they didn't have their celebrity status writing on it it was an all or nothing participation for them so on screen that translated into some ripper villains whereas the celebrities I think are always sort of thinking about how it's going to affect on their personal lives, and we only have to look to the experience of Denny Hines, right, mm. and what that season did to her career in this country. Mm.
0: Good one. A um, couple of other interesting things. Um, Love Island Australia will be back, but Nine's not confirming that Sophie Monk will host that as well as Beauty and the Geek yet. Um, it's almost a show that doesn't
2: really need a celebrity host, isn't it? No, it, it actually doesn't. It's a bit like, I was reminded of that the other day when I was having to explain to someone who was watching Q&A who Sarah Wilson was. And I went through everything Sarah Wilson said. And I said, oh, by the way, she used to host MasterChef. And you forget that MasterChef had a host, the first series, which they then abandoned. I think you're spot on Love Island. Sophie Monk's uh, participation in Love Island Australia was minimal to say the least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something else that intrigues me is that when they talk about Australian Ninja Warrior coming back, they're talking about um, taking it to the next level, but they're calling it, it will be show stopping television of Olympic proportions. Now, is, is that a clever dig at seven and indicating they will show it when the Olympic Games are on? Oh, whoa. hence show stopping proportion, a uh, show stopping Olympic proportion? Look at you. You're like a masked singer detective. You can work it all out. That.
1: That's, now, that's a, that's a really, James, that's a really good observation and I'm yeah. annoyed I missed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine what else it really means because um, it, yeah, it, it, unless it's, they're going to have some former Olympians as part of the um competition as well, but that's even more reason for putting it on up against the Olympics perhaps.
2: I, I would wonder, though, if that would be clever counter-programming to put what is essentially a sports show, albeit a very fun one, up against sports coverage. But it might be very clever to run it on the back of the Olympics when, you know, everyone is so fired up with the possibilities of sport. It would be a great thing to watch if you're fired up. You might, Ninja Warrior might be a great uh, uh, after-dinner mint to the uh, Olympics next year. I'm going to say before rather than after, Andrew. Yeah, right. I reckon you'll get
1: fatigue after the Olympics are done. People think, oh, I'm done with sport. I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you put it before, maybe you can also have a little bit of undermining the kind of numbers that the Olympics may do because people have just had three or four weeks of ninja. Look, to run it against the Olympics would be a very bold... I mean, they've got to put something on, right? Yeah. Do you play dead? Do you just put repeats of something on or something that you haven't spent big coin on um yeah it would be a very very bold and brave network to go we're going to put sport against the olympics so has that ever happened have we ever had a network do that i can't
0: think of any well Mm -hmm. maybe not sport but I mean, we're covering all bases here, so I'm going for for against the Olympics. Andrew thinks maybe after. David's going before, so one of us will be correct. All right. Opposite, right? I love it. I
2: love it. Keep Our, the tip broad. I always say it was like, you know, last Friday I wrote, um, surely the Emmys has got to be about Chits Creek and Succession. <laughs> a very, very, very broad tip, which proved to be right. The, the tip is keep the tip broad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Travel
0: Guides has come, they've, now they've got a season of Travel Guides they filmed last year, which still hasn't been shown. Yeah. It's going to be shown in 2021. The interesting thing is, it's moving to seven thirty, which sounds like a very sensible thing to do.
2: It does, but although that that's a move that hasn't really helped Todd Sampson's body hack, has it? (laughs) No. No. I have a feeling it has been at seven thirty
0: at some point. Mm. Maybe the first season? No. Don't think so, because it's only once a week. so once a week, you've got to think it's probably going to be Wednesday nights because strict programming will go Sunday to Tuesday. Nine has sport yes. on Thursday, so look out for it on Wednesday nights. Um, I wanted to get you, both your opinions on the block as well. The numbers have been a little bit softer this year, as is the trend for all programs, of course, but there's been a few subtle tweaks. I don't like what they've done to, to, to some of the changes and, Do you think it could come back again just without doing much to it next
2: year? Go, David. I've got to put my hand up and say I just don't watch The Block. I think it's great that people love it and there seems to be an audience for it every year that waits for it, but I just don't watch it. Okay, so to clarify, um, I've been to The
1: Block, I did go... During the very brief period in Melbourne when we were allowed out, and it was the only really the only set visit I've done this year. So, I have have seen most of the block finished. Um, I haven't watched much of the block, I've seen a little bit of it through Gogglebox. I did, you know, I saw it at the start. I always make sure I watch the start of, of a new season like that. And I did have a look at Monday night when they had the block shut down, which was. Look, which played out really weirdly, but I guess I don't know how you would do it otherwise because if you think about it, you know, you had Scott, Scott Cam saying, right, tools down, I'm shutting down the block, big, big drama moment, good mm-hmm. on them. But then what do you do? You go, commercial break, now we're back. I mean, how do you, how do you adjust? So I'll tell you what they did in case you haven't seen it. Um, so the cast did go home for six weeks um, the producers, I guess, cleverly or maybe not so cleverly, depending on your view, got them to sort of submit a video once a week as a sort of a competition. So he, we're going. Yes, you are going to see more of the contestants dancing, doing silly TikToky home videos. But you know, they've got to find a way to put some content on when they're not physically at the, at Brighton. But while that also took place, the builders, i.e., the professional builders were continuing on the structure, which was allowed under um, conditions. So it was kind of weird just to see it play out. Lots of sadness about, oh, we're shutting down, and then the builders are
2: back, like, almost five minutes later. I don't know how else you do that. I would have thought that that would have been a great cliffhanger ending for a night we're shutting down and then tomorrow you come back and where have we been the last six weeks? You're saying they did it all within the space of one episode. Yeah, it
1: was all in the one episode, Andrew. So it was, it was really just kind of weird to watch because right. it made sense. Yes, we're shutting it down. Yes, it's a big moment. Milk it for all the TV drama that it's worth, absolutely. But then, yeah, we sort of came right back and, yeah. So to come back to your question, James, you're talking about 2021, right? Yeah. So we know it's in a cul-de-sac, can't find where. A bit annoyed about that um i presume it's going to be bayside somewhere yet again because the councils in that area are conducive to the block they like having the block um so what are you you're talking about the changes that they've made we've seen i think the goggle box sorry if i'm rambling here but we've seen a few goggle box audiences talking about how annoyed they are that we're seeing um emojis and tiktok dancing and that sort of stuff is that Oh, and also the judges dancing,
2: right? Oh, There's been well, a reaction to yeah. that. Yeah, what is that about? Wrong. <laughs> I see that on all too, and everybody just kind of goes, "What the hell is happening?"
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think those quirky little changes. I I think they've got a tried and trusted form, tried and tested format. Um, you shouldn't play with it too much air. Yeah, the judges dancing looks wrong. Those little animations where they skip forward in time seems very awkward and, and I, I think there's been a trend you hear an interviewer more in the interviews with the blockheads there's a there's a voice off camera which you never see you? questions which leaves me wondering all the time who is this person and they seem to be getting um, increasing that a little bit more yeah there was a bit
1: of that on Monday night too um, in the episode that I saw I presume that was because it was an unusual situation of of shutting down and how people felt about that. But,
0: yeah, that's clearly a um, story producer of some sort, segment producer, prompting them with questions. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, they've got to keep it going. I mean, what is it? It gives them 12 weeks of, of sort of ratings dominance. Okay, the numbers might be down a little bit, but they're down for everybody. So it, it keeps nine number one. The idea that you wouldn't keep doing this format till it's just dead in the water, you've just got to keep milking it. I've, I've often wondered, James. I don't know whether I've mentioned this in a podcast before
1: whether they should do a block uncensored in a late <laughs> time slot. Because we always see them swearing on the show, right? And I always find it confu- kind of conflicting that this is a fan show, and we see F this, F that or whatever it is, you know, that's bleeped. There's so much, uh, is there another show on TV that bleeps as much as The Block when it purports to be a family show? So I'm wondering maybe you should just play, a, you know, a late version at, at 10 o'clock where it's all unbleeped. Go for it.
0: <laughs> um, one new program coming next year and it certainly won't be stripped and I think it's going to be a limited run will be our Liz Hayes with Under Investigation which Which sounds like a really good idea, and I think there's a real a real position in the time slot
2: to have a sort of midweek if you like current affairs outing and do you think that sounds too that it's also uh, some sort of tie in with uh, formerly Fairfax newspapers which are now under Nine's command that that sort of investigation they're doing on 60 Minutes where they do something in line with the newspapers that that's or that's going to become part of Liz Hayes's new format? Well I'm not sure how
0: much they'd be involved but they they can certainly use the newspapers to help promote uh, what they're doing um, whether they might have some of the you know, I think this will be heavily Liz Hayes, this program, and I'm, I presume that might mean we'll see a little bit less of her on 60 Minutes.
1: That's what I was presuming, yeah. And they did announce a new... The, um, who's the, the cop who's going to be in there? Derek
0: Dublin, yeah.
1: Yeah, who last week was in the news as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I presume we're going to see a bit less of her on 60 Minutes next year.
0: Yeah. I, I think Nine's seems to have been quite premature in announcing this new Beach House Escape format. There's a, a bit of vagueness about who's actually going to be making this. The, the format's been developed inside Nine. Um, we don't, Nine really don't have their own production department to make a series, so I'm guessing they're going to have to engage somebody else to make it for them. Um, well, they certainly have had their own production
1: unit that's done things like Travel Guides um, and a couple of other short-run shows. I think was this. I want to say this time next year was that done by them or was that Warner's? Not sure. I don't not remember. Either. But 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 yeah, they have pulled back on that unit. The other one was um, the chopping, not the chopping block. What was that other food show that they made? Plate. The hot plate. That was another yeah. one that was done internally by them. But that you know we're going back a couple of years now, and certainly there's been some staff changes. So. Um, yeah, they, ha- they have pulled back in that area. Yes,
0: yeah, but I, I like the idea of it. Um, uh, especially at the moment, everybody's dreaming of making their own sea change, getting out of the city, um, living the good life like Andrew Mikado is, um, <laughs> enjoying the richness of regional Australia. And I, I think a show like this could work very well. So, does that mean two renovation shows? Yeah, well, I think, to me. I think Beach House Escape will be quite a short
2: um, season. Mm-hmm. You could certainly Beach House Escape at the start of the ratings year, um, trading off the back of summer. It, it, it works. Uh, you know, if the block's the last half of the year, you could definitely put another reno show in the first half of the year.
1: Yeah, they did that once with... What was that other show that Shana was um, involved with that was a... Uh, where they were getting people... Remember they were buying, buying houses blind? What was that one? Oh, yes. Um, that was a short-run well yeah. property show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, a lot of people have said, why doesn't the block ever do a beach
2: house? And yeah, the producers... I say that all the time. I always say, why don't they do it on the Gold Coast? To me, the Gold Coast is screaming out for a, a, a tradie uh, come surfy show like that, but, you know. Well, Seven tried that last year. They did. <laughs> yeah, Buying Blind,
0: I think, was the name of that. Yeah, show. yeah. But at least, James, we get a new drama from
1: Nine next year. Can we talk about that one? Amazing greats. Yep, go. Yes, yeah, so there were Kate Jenkinson and... Digger um, uh, Thornton. Just, I presume that means, you know, the prospects of Sea Change coming back are not looking good. Um, but it's good to see... Th- th- this, it's good to see a new drama being announced cause, because it was the only scripted show that I could see being announced on the slate. and And I would... Just as an adjunct to that, presume that we, we have no decision on Halifax yet because it's still on air to yeah. the network to see final numbers. I also think they need to see international sales for Halifax to, to justify um, going back. And, and just on that, I'm, I'm watching Halifax and I'm, I'm
2: really impressed with how it's holding up. Yeah, it holds up really, really well. And also I noticed the ratings are holding up week after week too. There's an audience watching it and they're they're, they're tuning back in every week. Yeah,
0: they're really drawing out that sniper storyline though, aren't they? I mean, how good are these cops? They can't catch me. (laughs) Well, no, because it's... Well, yes, they can't catch him yet. It's been
1: revealed who he is now if you're up to date. Um, But I've watched, I think, six episodes and it's holding my interest. So,
2: yeah yeah I'm with you.
1: yeah um the new the new drama sounds a little bit to me love child slash call
2: the midwife slash slash offspring, offspring. yeah <laughs> yes Andrew. Yeah, and uh, since you've mentioned uh, Call the Midwife, I must say I've been particularly enjoying the Call the Midwife spoofs they've been doing on McAlef's Mad as Hell. I don't know whether you've noticed that. He's now how he sort of sends up ABC promos and they've been doing Call the Midwife and it's been recurring and it's been getting funnier.
1: I have seen those. They're very funny, yes. Yeah. But back Do to Amazing Grace. Do we think that Nine will meet their... Uh,
2: drama quota with. There are no drama quotas uh, There's, there's well, none this year And there's no talk yet of 2021 Yeah, that's true Look, the
1: screen producers, James, as you know Have been very vocal about we need, the, we need confirmation That the quotas will be back for 2021 So we can get filming now
0: yeah. yeah, I'm sure they'll be fine With those two series, that and Doctor Doctor Which, interestingly, they are put Amongst their new programs in their release Information um, so maybe they weren't uh, expecting that to come back, then they decided to bring it back. But they're going to have... So both their dramas will be medical dramas. Um, they also, they uh, announced Dr Doctor... I should have
1: remembered. They announced that some time ago that it was returning. So okay. Um, yes, so they'll have Dr Doctor and... Um, Amazing Grace, which there've been a number of shows called Amazing Grace. I don't know in Australia, but certainly overseas, it's you know it's an obvious title to go for. Um, so, but maybe maybe we'll get news on Halifax before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I would imagine Halifax won't be back till twenty twenty two. Yeah, because it's quite a big job to to produce that, and um, if they're not going to need it for the drama, they can just commission it make it next year, screened it in 2022. But to
1: come back to that drama, let's presume the drama quotas are in place. Do you meet your quotas with um, Amazing Grace and Dr Doctor? I would suspect not. No. Which, you know, we do look to Nine having used quite a lot of New Zealand content
0: yeah. uh, in the past. So we look to see where they go next year. Sure. And also with uh, it's going to be made by Playmaker Amazing Grace, so... David's Mark and Taylor are both quitting the business but they're apparently still associated with this program so I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, So that's sort of nine. I guess there's a, as I said at the start, there's a fair bit of of content. They sort of released how these shows are going to roll out across the year. So they'll start off as they have every year with Married at First Sight going to, I think, Love Island Australia. It's going to be the second series up. And um, then into Lego Masters, uh, Celebrity Apprentice, uh, Parent Jury, Beauty and the Geek, Travel Guides, Beach House, um, Celebrity IOU, Ninja, and then going to finish off the year with The Block a so
2: ninja late then. <laughs> can we talk about Celebrity Iou for just a second? Yeah. Now, see the promos for it. Is celebrity, is celebrity Iou the American series we've been watching? Is that always about house renovation, the Iou, or can it be about anything?
0: Good question. I'm just assuming it's a renovation, but um, I, I, it's a renovation show. Whenever I see the ad, I'm
1: inclined to say. You know, thinking back to things like, you know, those domestic blitz sort of shows, it's Reno Plus. So oh. there might be a bit of pampering and a bit of lifestyle things that go on to improve your life and, and make you feel special as well as the physical renovation. That's what I'm inclined to think, but I haven't seen enough of it to really answer your question.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, no, I think because it's, it's shown on um, HDTV in the US, which
2: is... Right, so it's got to be reno then if it's shown on that network.
0: Yeah, so I think it's always a, a home renovation is involved. Um, anything else sort of there you wanted to mention about that um, before we move on? It's, um,
1: I would have liked to have seen more entertainment on the slate. You know, we've got a lot of reality. We've got, you know, two scripted. Yeah. But I just feel like... There's not much, there's nothing in the light entertainment space unless you're quantifying some of those shows as not being reality and being light int, but, you know, there's always an elimination and a celebrity somewhere along the way, isn't there? We yeah. can maybe
2: say that Travel Guides is a bit of fun. <laughs> Travel yeah. Guides is into light entertainment territory.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so Nine's, Nine's answer to that was, look, there's still a bit of um, doubt around filming entertainment, you know, if, it's, if that drags on into next year an a, a entertainment show without live audiences loses quite a lot of, of atmosphere, it doesn't work as well. Um, Nine said, look, we still have room for one more format in our schedule and, you know, if an entertainment um, format became available, well, they, they could perhaps grab it. We should touch briefly
1: on what we think is going to be replacing The Voice in that calendar year,
0: James. Well, pretty much Celebrity Apprentice, I think. Okay especially around the time of the year and the the importance in the schedule. So I think that's going to be quite important to them that that show gets away successfully next year because, you know, parenting jury, well, you can't imagine that's going to be a huge deal. It'll do okay, but it's not going to do giant numbers. I suppose Beauty and the Geek as well, maybe that and Celebrity Apprentice need to really perform, you know, and and Love Island, as we know, is much bigger
1: on Bvod. You know the. Yeah, and it,
0: it's not a seven thirty show
2: either, is it? Uh, it never been seven thirty. Even when it was on those digital channels, it was never seven thirty. It's it's, oh. it's eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty, isn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the Emmy Awards now. Is it? Andrew Mikado pointed out um, earlier in this podcast. He had the wonderful foresight to think that um, Shits Creek would do very well. I'm not sure if he thought it would win the first seven awards of the evening, but that's that's exactly what it did. And it uh, looked like it was going to be a, a, a shitty evening, and it, it pretty much was <laughs> It won every um, it won every comedy Emmy award. Um, I think something that's one show has probably never done before
2: it's interesting because I, I thought it would do well it did it exceeded all expectations it was interesting that uh, Daniel uh, uh, levy said at one stage as he picked up numerous awards. Oh no, everyone's going to turn on me. And I can see it happening already now on social media. All these people are watching the show in the wake of its wins and watching that first series where the characters were quite unlikable saying, Oh, I've watched two episodes and I'm out. Oh, I don't get it. You know, he, there's, there's that immediate slap back against it. And it's like, Oh, sorry, everyone. This is a slow burn. You got to stick with it. Series one's too much for you. Dive in at series two, series three and, and, and get it that way. But it's the, this show is a slow burn. And I think it really makes the another point that Daniel Levy said, which would be if you, it, he wanted to thank CBC Canadian broadcasting corporation and pop TV in America for sticking with the show. Um, despite some not fantastic first season ratings. It, and it does go to show, and I have said this many times, that comedy needs time to grow. And sometimes you do have to stick with something that isn't setting the world on fire to get to the goal.
0: That's, yeah. Um-
2: it so was, who, screen, who screens the series in the U.S.? It's just on... Um, Pop TV. Which cable is a, channel, isn't it? Quite a minor uh, cable TV channel that apparently not everybody has. But in 2020, the show went on to Netflix. It's turned out to be the most perfect show to watch in isolation, a great binge because it is a feel-good show and it was a feel-good show we needed in 2020. Now I, with the, I mean, there's three shows that really dominated the Emmys. I guess
0: Shit's Creek, Succession, and Watchmen. Yeah. Two of those series, I've never watched a single episode. So, which is Watchmen and Shit's Creek? I, yeah. I got onto Watchmen last night. Actually, started that, but I still haven't seen Shit's Creek. So,
2: Andrew, you think it's worth getting into? Well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at this discussion now. I got, uh, uh, brought into a, a Twitter conversational, maybe I, no, I think, uh, Tracy, Gr- Lila L- 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 McKinnon was saying, Tracy Grimshaw was saying the people in the current affair office were having trouble, uh, sticking with the show and Leila McKinnon said, yes, I'm watching it stony faced." So I waited in and said, look, start with season two and then Layla McKinnon said, I've just watched the first episode, nothing going on. So then someone else said, well, I started at season three and I love it. Um, So this is going to prove to be a talking point um, for some time now. But I was one of those people who had watched series one and didn't get what it was about and then picked up on the fact that it was starting to explode and decided to go season two and stick with it and I finally got it. But, yeah, it's, you know, not every TV show is for everybody. But I'd hate to think that people are giving up on Shit's Creek because they think it's rubbish because mm. it is a slow burn and it is very rewarding when you, yeah, when it clicks with you, it really clicks with you. But in terms of Watchmen, I've never watched any of Watchmen. I saw the movie several years ago and, you know, I understand that it's an allegory for much bigger themes of, racism and diversity and all of that and look one day I might get around to watching it but it's not big on my list even after all the Emmy Awards because ultimately it is a graphic novel superhero type show and look honestly after having a cinema and having to watch all those Marvel movies I'm a little bit scarred I I walk away with my back to the wall when there's a superhero thing coming on the about the only one I think I'm kind of interested in is is season two of The Boys on Amazon Prime because that's kind of an anti-superhero show in a way. But yeah, well done to, to Watchmen. But in terms of Succession winning the awards, um, I noticed on social media this year that that show was exploding, particularly because it was a show that was being aired every week in the US and every week an episode would go to air on them, which was Monday here in Australia. There was all this sort of, Uh, discussion on Twitter, wow, wow, succession this week, wow, wow. And I just thought there's something going on with succession and uh, that proved to be correct. The the, the second season was really good. So
1: my confession is that I had never seen Schitt's Creek. (laughs) Um, And I don't know why that's the case because, you know, I've, I've written about it a couple of times without putting my own voice into it but just... You know, written new season starting, etc. But the, it must have screened on. Where did season one screen? I want to say Prime, but I don't know if that's correct. I know it's on Netflix now, right?
2: But and it's floating know, around uh, ABC comedy as well, right? Yeah. I see with the broadcast.
1: So somewhere sure. along the way,
2: I'd I'd missed the first season or two.
1: <clears throat> and then felt like, well, I can't go back and write reviews now of things that are off. So anyway, so long story short, so um, I did start to watch it on the weekend because I thought, okay, the Emmys are coming up. I know this is going to win big, so I started to watch it. I'm now about nine episodes through season one, right? And I'm enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, they are. They are narcissistic, self obsessed. You know, I, I'm thinking a lot like uh, Arrested Development. They're very unlikable in that sense. But, um, but I'm laughing and, and I'm deciding, yeah, I'll watch another one because they're also short, right, being yeah. 22, 25 minutes maybe. So, that's so uh, you know, it's going to take me a while to get up to season six, I think it is, and I can't write anything about the show, right, because <laughs> it's aired and it's behind for the blog. Um, so that's where I am with Schitt's Creek, but I am enjoying it. So, yes, it is possible to, to come in late. Um, Watchmen I saw and reviewed I think episode one and I don't think I saw any more than episode two. And I don't plan to watch any more. It's really just not my cup of tea. But Succession I've watched
0: since episode one and love it and can't wait for more. It's interesting how you look at these shows, you look at Shit's Creek and then you look at Watchmen and then Succession did well. I sort of get Succession but makes you think about the sort of people who vote for this. I mean, I'm guessing Schitt's Creek might have been helped by a, by a wave of um, yeah. celebration of the final season yeah. and that final episode, so it was, it was the right time. Watchmen, I'm not quite sure why that's done really well now, but, but I'm guessing its popularity has, has maybe something to do with it. It's quite a big show, I guess, for, um, for it's an HBO original, isn't it? Am I right? It's, it's H, yes, it's HBO.
1: We do, we do, I guess we do need to acknowledge these Emmy Awards are the first awards since Black Lives Matter, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was the most diverse wins that I can recall in terms of yeah. the, the uh, black, shows with black, black cast and LGBTQI representation in Schitt's Creek, in RuPaul, and RuPaul ticks both those boxes, let's be honest. So it was the most
2: diverse and we certainly Emporia saw... as well. Euphoria with uh, with all those themes and Zendaya winning, which was a surprise, you know. Even to the point, and Andrew, you might have noticed this, that with the In Memoriam
1: segment, which, you know, I always want to see, we finished on Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. After Kirk Douglas. Now, in my book, I mean, I know Kirk Douglas has done more films far more films than he's ever done television. But come on, he's an actor who was 100 and how old when he died, right? Yeah. And Chadwick Boseman has done a, a couple of television shows. I just thought that was an editorial decision that surprised me. It surprised me.
0: But I guess the, a, a surprise death has more significance than, a, than someone okay. who yeah. ends their life naturally, if you like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair comment. Um, almost,
2: almost. Despite their sort of um, their their you know library of work, there's that there's that cultural thing around Chadwick Boseman as well, and that Black Panther was a movie that meant so much to uh, so many people because it was the first time they'd ever had a black superhero. And then he dies before they can even make a sequel. It's mm-hmm. such a tragedy. Yeah, again... It's a great a, film. But you're right. This is Emmy Awards and we're, we're talking about movies. I, I hear what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But it comes back to the point I'm sort of making,
1: and, James, maybe this goes to why Watchmen was such a big win, was that there is a feeling in America that we need to address an imbalance that's been going on in Hollywood for
0: years. So okay. I think we saw that play out. Sure, sure. Um. I guess mental health got some acknowledgement too with um, I Know This Much Is True, that amazing performance from uh, Mark Ruffalo and uh, gee, what, what a great speech he gave at home, um, sitting on the couch alongside his, I think it was his wife. Mm. Did, anybody, thought... did anybody finish watching that show?
2: Not me. Well, the, oh, you mean the Mark Ruffalo show? No, I didn't finish watching it either. Uh, it? But,
0: uh, this makes me really want to think, well, maybe I should toughen up and
2: And revisit it. And it's a shame because in his speech he was saying it's such an important show. And I do support important shows that, you know, shine a light on topics that are that are uncomfortable and that we don't like to deal with. And, you know, it was a show about mental health, and you're right, it's a show that we probably should be watching through to the end. But it was tough viewing.
1: I think he was always going to win that category, you know, acting in two roles, yeah. an amazing performance. So I don't think Hugh Jackman was ever going to win, win that category, even though as a production, Bad Education obviously beats.
0: What's it called? I Know... What... I Know This Much Is True. I Know This Much Is True, yeah. 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 yeah, well, it's good. So, yeah, it, um, at least Jackman got the acknowledgement of being in the, what was it the best movie it won for or something? So it
1: won the best, best telly movie. won the best telly movie, yeah. And the, poor, the Aussies missed out, right? Everyone Certainly on, on Monday the Aussies missed out. We know that um, Greg Fraser, I think his name is, won the Cinematography Award for Mandalorian in the Creative Emmys. But so many Aussies nominated they all missed out, which was a shame.
2: Well, look, I think that, I think we as Australians should say that this is the year of Canada. Uh, the Canadians probably won more Emmys uh, than they've won in the last seventy-two years, just for one show, Shits Creek. So, you know, as as someone that uh, is with Canada under the Commonwealth nations, well done to Canada. This was your year. Yep, uh,
0: long live the Commonwealth. That's what I say.
2: Yeah. Hey, listen um, Julie, Julia
0: Garner was a worthy winner in Ozark But I, I would have loved so much for Sarah Snook to win, win that award Yeah And it was interesting to see uh, The Morning Show get an award too For um, Billy, Billy Crow, Crow. Yeah. yeah That Apple platform um, launched in much fanfare But did they haven't really many programs since The Morning Show That have captured much, uh, have really appeared on anyone's radar
2: Yeah, yeah, true Um, The other interesting thing I'll say about the Emmys, which I watched from beginning to end, and I actually really enjoyed it, whereas sometimes in other years, in the three hours, I start going around cleaning the house while it's on. (laughs) Um, I will say that I thought it was very interesting that so many of those speeches were political, but nobody mentioned a candidate's name for the upcoming election. It was obvious that many people were speaking about Donald Trump, yep. nobody mentioned his name. That Yeah, it was, you know. yeah the only, I think the only one who did mention his name was um, uh, Jesse
1: Armstrong for winning in succession when he said, I want to unthank Trump.
2: Oh, did he? I did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, I think that he okay. said, I want to unthank Trump, I want to unthank media moguls, I want to... Oh. <laughs> it was very <laughs> unique... Um, um, uh, speech. I thought that um, it was nice to see that they embraced, you know, frontline workers, and you know, we had farmers, we had yeah. nurses and doctors, and I think even a truck driver at one stage. UPS driver. Um, he was great. Yeah. yeah. That was. I mean, that was. It was. Uh, what I liked was that the overall production um, wasn't. All one way. It wasn't all. Let's just sort of all do it from the Staples Centre. Let's not all just do it from Zooming. Let's just not all have celebrities in in the room. Let's you know let's shake it up a bit. And this was the right year to do it with with those, as I say, those frontline workers and those quote unquote ordinary Americans announcing awards. I, I wouldn't want to see that every year. I yeah. thought uh, it was really well done. And I was reading how they um, got each, you know, when they filmed those, those segments, they asked the people to then read each winner. They, like they did five different endings so that they could play the right one. And David Letterman, oh, my God, well, it's like Santa Claus had stepped in.
0: But he was great. He was really fantastic. He funny. Yeah. And yeah, guy I loved the whole production. Um, You've got to think hopefully we won't see one like it next year because it will mean we're all still living under this terrible um, um, endemic. But um, I really like the format. And when it finished, I thought, oh, God, it's over already. And, and I was surprised to realise it actually been three hours. But I love – people seem to have more involvement. I love that nobody could get played out. They got to finish their speeches
2: and they still managed to bring it in on time. So I
0: do
2: I found it fascinating that, you know, every time we saw someone in their house or their party, some of them were dressed casual, some of them were dressed up. Some of them were on the lounge with their wife, some of them were there with their their co-workers. I found that side of it really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it really humanised the whole thing and Sadly, it was the equal lowest ratings ever, but, you know, <laughs> those award show audiences have been trending down for a while, so I don't know if we need to read too much into that. Yeah, look, that, that, that sort of wraps up the Emmys pretty much. And Look, before we wind up today, just a couple of uh, viewing things that I'll, I'll get both of you to comment on. I might start off, I think last time I spoke to Andrew, we talked about Des, the um, the three-part uh, British crime drama that Stan had bought. I don't think we'd watched it at that stage, but I went and sat through all three of them. I've got to say, gee, I was really blown away by it all. I thought it was so good. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a, it's virtually an acting masterclass. David Tennant is so good. His co-stars in it are just brilliant and it's really worth watching. There's sort of no mystery. So We find out right at the start what happens. Um, it's not a spoiler to say he's sort of arrested in the first couple of minutes of, of the show, and but it just plays out the police investigation. It's just fantastic viewing, so I liked it a lot. My other viewing highlight is also connected with David Tennant, but it's um it's a program called Stage. Uh, Stage, yeah, yeah, which is actually David Tennant and his sort of good friend and fellow actor Michael Sheen, and they sort of they, they um, Tennant convinces Sheen to um, audition or not, no, to rehearse a play via Zoom and it's it's sort of interesting. I've only seen one episode. There's not a lot of laughs. The reviews have been really strong but I'd like to see a few more laughs And but I'll certainly stick with it. But after one episode, can I say David Tennant is, isn't as good playing himself as he is playing other characters. Uh, this was... What we should mention is this was done in lockdown, right? And I think right. it was,
1: I, I'm not sure whether they were actually going to, I don't know whether it's Art Imitating Life or I'm just confusing the whole synopsis, with, but whether they were actually going to, whether the plan was they were going to have a live production of some sort and they've sort of moved it into this,
0: lockdown version or have I got that wrong Joe? The, the play was called six characters in search of an author that's pirandello that's yeah that's it a, was going to go to the west end but then when the west end shut down um, but that is that is that the actual, it, I know that's what
1: happens in the piece but was that what was also going to happen in life that's a bit uh, I haven't quite worked out the pirandello play is a is a you know is a classic six, char- six characters in search of an author i think Right, right, okay. Have Have you seen an episode of it yet? No, I haven't, and I, it's only just started on ABC Comedy on Monday nights. I think it is correct. Yeah, yeah, and on
0: on, on iView, obviously. Yeah, no, it's
1: are, they, are they short, James? Are they thirty minutes or something?
0: Yeah, yeah, they're quite short episodes. I think it's twenty five minutes, something like Good. that. Okay, who's
1: okay.
0: next? Uh, Noxie,
1: what do you got? Okay, so. Um, my current favourite show is Lovecraft Country which oh. um, has now screened about five episodes I think on Fox Showcase. Um, I mean this is just groundbreaking stuff and it's it's probably going to be right up there on my, my 2020 favourite shows of the year um, because it's just so... Oh, it's every every episode is so different like it's a it's a civil rights story filmed in or set in the 1950s um with african black african american um actors and characters um, and i think creators as well and it's a it's a riff on or a, a new take on the stories of uh, written by lovecraft as an author and I'm not I'm not familiar with his sort of fantasy cult um, books that he wrote but what I got to say in watching this is that even though it's about civil rights every episode takes such a detour like um, episode one was sort of with monsters episode two was sort of a, a um, well, episode three was A Haunting, A Haunted House. Episode four was almost like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And episode five was LGBTQ. So it's just like, it's just so different. Oh, and episode six, we were in Korea, South Korea. It's just like, I don't know where, it's kind of like a Twilight Zone every episode. So Lovecraft Country I'm enjoying. Did yep. anybody else want to comment on that one before I go
2: on to my next show? No, keep going. on. I haven't watched past the first episode, but I'm a bit familiar with the fifth episode you've just talked about. Continue. Okay, um,
1: Wednesday night, the day we're recording, the day we're recording this, tonight's episode of The Good Fight. Oh my God, this is so much fun. Um, the Good Fight, of course, being a legal drama. Tonight's episode, or you know, you can watch it on SBS On Demand if you're listening to this podcast later. Um. It's a fantasy episode. It starts off with um, the character of Diane. um, What's her actor's name? Christine Baranski. Thank you. It opens. She sort of wakes up and Trump hasn't won the 2017 election, 2016, 2017 election, right? So Hillary's won the election. She goes to work and they're all talking about Hillary and she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And, And they're like... What's wrong with you? And she said, well, well, "Hang on, who won the election? Hillary." Uh, and this has been like, this has been like three or four years this has been going on. And then, and then she's trying to, to explain herself, and they go, "She says, oh, I had this. I, think, I just think I woke up from this dream that Donald Trump won the election." And and, and then they said her colleagues said to her, "Well, where were the Obamas the whole whole time?" And she says, "Oh." I had an overall deal with Netflix, (laughs) as if, like, this is just so bizarre. And then here's the kicker. The episode episode she's she's in, she's told she has to represent Harvey Weinstein. And she's like, oh, my God, what the hell? And they're like, what's wrong with you? He's a fantastic producer. He's done all these shows. It's a great episode. I loved it. So I'm watching that. I'm watching Wentworth. I'm watching Gogglebox, Halifax, a few other things as well.
2: Andrew, over to you. Okay, so The Duchess on Netflix. um, I had uh, girlfriends come and visit me on the weekend and we binged the whole thing. It's hilarious. Um, So I highly recommend that. Uh, I'm pretty uh, interested to see the Lindy Chamberlain special on 10. I think it's almost the definition of irony that in a year where we dragged Joanne Lees through the mud again in Murder in the Outback, which was widely condemned by Media Watch, that we're now accepting that Lindy Chamberlain after 40 years is innocent and it's about bloody time. The other show that I want to mention is that the Heights is about to finish on ABC, and the last episode ended with the most shocking development that has just left me heartbroken and even more heartbroken now that the show 's coming to an end and this could be the end uh, it 's been such a beautiful show this year it 's been such uh, been so lovely every Thursday night, just one half hour episode and i 'm always Sitting at the end of it going, wow, that was so well done. So, very sad to see the heights end. And my Media Week column this week, James, I'll be talking about one show and one show only and explaining why it's either the best show of the year or the worst show of the year. Ooh, oh, to be advised. Oh, well, that's a
1: teaser. Ooh, now I want to think, I want to guess. <laughs>
0: We'll have to do that privately so that I don't spoil your tease. <laughs> it's something that's fairly new. It's just been out for a few days. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And while we're giving plugs, I should say on um, TV tonight, now you've started your um, the multi-channel, what do you, what's the proper title? Multi-channel oh, survey? survey. Yeah. yeah. 2020. And you run through, how far into it are you now? Oh, that's only the first one today, James. Okay, okay. So you've started
1: with SBS? Started with SBS this year. And, you know, some of that is dictated by who who gets back to me first. <laughs> I give everybody a deadline. They are so bad at meeting deadlines, James, these networks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, look, I, this is the ninth year I've done this. Okay. And it's sometimes there are subtle changes that I detect in terms of, well, we were going for this audience, but now it's kind of shifted, or they're, you know, they're, perception of how they describe the channel shifts a bit but there's some teasers there about shows that are coming up and stuff as well you know it's good to sort of
0: spread the focus from primary to multi-channels once in a while I think. Oh it is and it's great to see uh, NITV get some publicity I mean there's so much good stuff goes out on that channel and um, every time I venture over there and it isn't nearly as often as I should be I find something good and um, something really engaging.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, and, and maybe this is just the nature of the beast in the way that they return the info to me, but NITV was at the top of their four channels that they returned
0: to me, so that's the way I ran them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, good stuff. All right, you, we mentioned quickly, you mentioned it before, that Mark and Carl Fennessy leaving um, um, Endemol Shine Australia, which is quite a big deal in, in TV circles, I guess, because they're, they're their work and their, their teams have really dominated that 7.30pm time slot, which is critical now for them. I mean, it's always been important, but if you're not performing in that 730 time slot, you can kiss goodbye to the night, really, because that's, that's where networks are tipping all their money. And, um, you know, for them to walk away and leave it in, I guess, with the pretty capable hands of Peter Newman, who will be running the business now, though, they're... There would have been some some concern if the networks, that two they spend a lot of money <laughs> investing in uh, programs. Mark and Carl look after it's a bit of a seismic change to the sector. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's
1: it's a huge uh, announcement um, that you know Endemol Shine produce the lion's share of the particularly in the reality space in this country, along with you know Fremantle ITV. Uh, a few others to Warners, Warner's and a few others to a lesser extent. <coughs> um, so it's a huge, huge move. Peter Newman's been with them a long time. He'll do a great job, I reckon, um, as CEO. Um, where will they go next is the question everybody's been asking me. And um, I'm hearing that they're going to take a break, that there's no immediate plans, but they will come back. There's You know, those guys love to work. Um, they are Very hands on on their shows, very passionate about all aspects of the business. Always have a view about networks and how they're running and programming and commissioning and all that sort of stuff. Um, So, you know, we look to there. You know, there are are a couple of James, a couple of unanswered questions in terms of the um, in the production sector. We don't yet have a chief content officer at Channel Seven, which was announced. Next week will be a year since that was announced by James Warburton and they still say that they're going to make that appointment. Um, we know that, as you mentioned earlier, the Playmaker boys are leaving as well, so sometimes someone's got to take control of, of Playmaker. We look to see what may happen with Endemol Shine and Time now both being owned by Banerjee and whether... They might merge. If they merge, can we please not call it Endemol Shine
0: Screen Time Australia? That's just too long. long. Well, just on that, we should point out that they, um, I think it was 2015, there was an announcement that Mark and Cole were leaving Endemol Shine, Shine, but actually it didn't happen. They ended up coming back and running the whole company. They were leaving. I think so. I think they were leaving Shine
1: because it had been bought by Endemol, and they announced they were leaving. We wrote. I wrote that story. That here's their announcement. And yep. then, yes, it was almost a matter of weeks before they were back
0: to 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 run the new Endemol Shine. Yeah. Yeah. So there would be an outside chance that you know, if um, if all the Banerjee companies um merged, would they come back and run it all? I get the feeling not this time, though. I think I think that. That might be it for them in in running a big um, international company. I think the fact
1: that Peter Newman's been announced as the CEO means that he'll be running that, you know, that part of the business. Sure. Sure. Unless there's something higher up that pans out. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Look, my, my tip would be that they do not go to broadcast. Yeah. That when they come back it will still be to make content for all the players being broadcasters and streaming. I don't think they, just the feeling I get from conversations is I don't
0: feel that they want to go into network television in 2021. And maybe with a focus on drama too because unless you have access to formats, it's hard to get shows away. People want tried and tested formats. Um, So, I mean, both the fantasies have, you know, been associated with lots of scripted shows that have done very well. So maybe they'll come back and I'm sure Andrew would be happy to see uh, more Aussie dramas being pitched at networks Of course Yeah Alrighty, look, great uh, talking to you both today Thanks for joining the uh, Media Week podcast David Knox, tvtonight.com.au um, An essential place to visit at least once a day Andrew McCardo, look, always great um, speaking with you, Andrew He's a regular on the Media Week podcast You can read his column every Friday In the Media Week Morning Report And at mediaweek.com.au See you next time. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.